30 stories high. Breathing fire, his hand in the sky. Godzilla, 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 and Godzilla. I have been in this business 52 years, and I will. I've never seen anything like this. And I, I can't speak. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. I fucking love Gadzuki. Gadzuki and Scrappy do. Uh, put them together. The same. They were cut from the same cloth. Your doppelgangers. Yeah. All your doppelgangers. Yeah. Godzilla, Scrappy Doo, um, and Shmoo, all cut from the same cloth. <gasps> Shmoo. That's right. Remember? That's a brilliant Shmoo. Why is, oh. why is Shmoo never called in to the podcast? <laughs> why a is brilliant Shmoo. Shmoo. Why is Shmoo not hanging out with Wilfred Brimley up there? <laughs> <laughs> Shmoo's dead? Shmoo is inside. Yeah, Shmoo was actually just a bad drawing of Wilfred Brimley that, <laughs> that took on a life of its own. Shmoo is the his diabetes. He's the he's the epitome. He's the living oh, no. picture of Shmoo and Itchy diabetes. sort of sound alike. Wilfred, Wilfred. Oh my God. <laughs> they, 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 itchy, lumpy, schmoo, Casper, um, Captain Caveman. They're all cut from the same cloth. We, we grew up with, with a host of characters that just, just spoke gibberish and yeah. we loved it. We were like, <laughs> give us more, <laughs> give us more nonsense. <gasps> Which is the appeal of this podcast, really. Right. Just give more nonsense. Just pile it on, slather it on. <laughs> Speaking of which. <laughs> Welcome to episode 96 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman, a.k.a. Gonzo, and Dan Matisa, a.k.a. Godzuki. And this week, we travel back to May 22nd, 1998, and the 25th anniversary of Roland Emmerich's would-be blockbuster slash franchise starter, mm-mm, Godzilla, starring Matthew Broderick and Maria Petillo, as well as Warren Bates. Beatty's scathing political satire, Bullworth, starring Beatty, Halle Berry, and Oliver Platt, and Terry Gilliam's gonzo film adaptation of Hunter S. Thompson's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, starring Johnny Depp and Benicio Del Toro. But before we dive into the week's films, where were we all watching the Seinfeld finale in late May of 1998? That's the one thing I remember for sure. I never watched Seinfeld. I never, I don't think I, I don't think I can honestly say I've watched a single Seinfeld episode from start to finish. Are you fucking, are you with you? fucking kidding me? Yeah, with I know. You. Everyone's like, but you're, but you're, I'm like Jewish. Is that what you're, is that your, what you're stumbling to say? Everyone on that show reminds me of you. How could you have not seen it? Yeah, you know what it was? I might have seen, I might have watched the finale. I might have been one of those dicks who was like, well, I'll watch the finale. Um, if it's any good, then I'll watch the rest. Which is like, the worst one to watch. I know, sure. I know. I always remember when I when the MASH finale came on. and oh, yeah. uh, That's and I, brilliant. Yeah, but I didn't watch, I didn't really watch mash that much. <laughs> and then I remember I came in and I, my mom was watching it. And I was like, what's going on? 
what's going on? What's go-? And my mom just yelled at me. She's like, get out of the room. Get out of the room. I'm not doing this. I did the same thing with Ben, I think, my son, when I think it was the Game of Thrones finale, when he was like sort of playing that he wanted to come and watch it. I was like, no, we're not doing this. I'm like, I did the same thing to my mom with MASH. Like, now I get it. I didn't understand why she got so mad at me. We're not doing this, Ben. Like, we'll we'll watch the series at some point, but you need to leave right now. So in other words, you had your mom was like, you have to earn it. You have to earn well, she's like, why you should- and don't disturb she's me don't disturb while I'm me. enjoying it. Oh, I see. Because you would have been me. the guy who asked a million questions in the room. Why is she, what's he doing with that chicken? Exactly. Why is that chicken exactly. a baby? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that God. Chicken a baby? That was, oof. That why was, is Alan Alda choking the chicken? Oh, thank you. Good night. Good night. I, but I didn't know it was an Alan Alda. It was Alan Alda because he had a tape measure on his, on his chest. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you were asking all the questions about. Your mother's yeah. like, get out. But why, why would he have a tape measure in Korea? Get out, I said. <laughs> why would he Go back to that? episode something or something. Well, look, at, look at that racism. Well, as if they don't have tape measures in Korea. But sometimes they have to measure things. I know you think they don't. Yeah, no, I never watched uh-huh. Seinfeld. I never. Uh, wow, that is that's a shocking revelation. You know what it was? Seinfeld was the show about nothing. There were four people on it. They lived in New York. And I know. One was Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, that's, the I, uh, that's all you need to know. I want. I think I watched a couple of the early episodes, and I didn't like him. I liked him as a stand-up, but I remember thinking at the time, "Oh, he's a bad actor. I don't like. He's, he's smiling through everything." Yeah, and he's so bad he, at he, he turned me off, and I just never watched it. I'm not saying Why it's it's that? not great i just but you know to this day it's still hard for me to maybe if i just sat myself down and was like fuck it i'm gonna watch some episodes and i've seen bits and pieces and it's funny but i just remember at the time he annoyed me uh kramer annoyed me it was oh. like it was it was too big it was too much i i was a serious actor at that time you right. know, I was living on the Lower yes. East Side. Yes. I was wearing vintage bowling shirts. I wow. was, uh, I was like I was, Kramer. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm telling you, you are, you are the character. show. <laughs> you know, complain God, about melons right. and things. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I would get on stage and spout, you know, racial epitaphs, you know, (laughs) I was exactly like Kramer. No, I never did that. Um, That's funny. I know you meant to say epithet, but it was his epitaph. (laughs) It wound up being being his epitaph. It wound up being his epitaph. He'll be on his gravestone. Yes, but I was living on the Lower East Side, not watching Seinfeld, and Mm. I was buying a lot of vintage bowling shirts. And wow. I believe I was. I was, was the thing. Yeah, I think I was just about to, or I may have just auditioned for a show I've talked about on this, the Buddy Holly story, which in many ways yes. changed the trajectory of my life. Um, With wonderful so I think Van, I was, wonderful Van and Vicky. Yeah, our friends Van and Vicky, and I met uh, 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 Lisa, ja- Lisa Friday, uh, also mm-hmm. known as Lisa Jackson. I met Jeff Kerner. That's what prompted uh, the band Zip Thunk to really get going, and all of this mm-hmm. ended up Was leading Gerner to on me. That tour also? Yeah, that's what I met. Yeah, yeah. I forgot Gerner did yeah, it. Yeah, we too. did it at the Wordway in Minneapolis. Uh, but I think around this time leading up to that, Lavner and I, Steve Lavner and I, started playing guitars in the subway. I believe this mm-hmm. might have been around this time. And uh, we would go down to the N and the R on 14th Street mm-hmm. and get on the platform and uh, and start playing some Simon and Garfunkel and Springsteen. And, and uh, it was a blast. And we sort of did that throughout the summer, I think, too. I remember and- you guys playing in the 
the back room of that, what's that Irish pub that all the actors go to and they have oh. a back room? Oh, O'Flaherty's. O'Flaherty's. O'Flaherty's, yeah. That came again from me doing the Buddy Holly story because oh. uh, Lisa played guitar there and got us the job there. And then we, we got, we were promptly fired about six six seven months later why were you uh, fired uh the bartenders didn't like us we were they did say that we were too loud that was the excuse <laughs> they said they said it was it, you were too raucous uh i don't know i think that just meant like they didn't like us they're like well they they didn't watch seinfeld i had i had sex with a girlfriend in the in the restroom of uh wow. could you die <laughs> oh for fuck's sake now wait uh, let's pause fred's wonderful story you tell that story immediately. I'm not gonna tell too much about it, but I just you remember told that's like that's one of the public places in which I've had one of the sex. One of the I can't speak. What were you doing? Were you around? Were you in New York at that time? I, were you in Florida? I just got you? done. I just got done. So I was in New Jersey. I wasn't in New York yet. Terrified and wondering how I was going to survive and make it because you two were no help. I'm just kidding. You were lovely. Well. Um, <laughs> I was busy. <laughs> I was busy, like holding a bathroom door closed with one foot while trying to. You had priorities. I know. And kept, the- Dan kept trying to get help. He's like, Jason. <laughs> Jason, I just give me a second. But I really, I need some advice. I just, I just give me, just give me a couple more seconds. I really could use some advice, buddy. I'm Volcano. almost. Volcano. 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 Uh, that's what many people said running towards the bathroom at <laughs> Yeah, after having the mozzarella sticks. I like the looks on your faces when I started to do that. You're, there, there was looks of anticipation of, is something good coming? Is something fun coming? No, he's, just, he's still going. Coming. He's still knocking, but we're waiting for the funny. <laughs> I love it. Volcano! 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 We did our showcase mm-hmm. um, right around this time with with the Old Globe uh, and their and their um, graduate uh, program. So we were we were. Um, we did we did it twice one time we were first and they were second and then the other, second time they went first and we went second the time that they, the time that they went first and we went second everyone left after the old globe was done not everyone but i'm going to say 80% of the audience left and that's when <sighs> it dawned on me oh oh this program does not have the cachet of oh, other man. programs. This program, the program I was in, did not have the clout to to for industry folk to stay in the room. It once did, but it doesn't anymore. Could you die? <laughs> no, the program was great. I would I would not trade the program itself for for anything. And and that, that's why I insist now. I go I go. I'm gonna at least you're gonna get something. You know, to my own students of the of how the business, you know, uh, operates, you'll get you'll get a little taste 
of like this is yeah. the this is the the things you need to sort of prepare to be able to do once you once you leave and and um you know uh, again there's just so a, you have them do the, showcases for no people for an empty room just I'm that, just preparing you this is what the business is <laughs> now you now you're talking working your ass off and acting your heart out with nothing in return. With absolutely nothing in return, welcome to the business. Yeah. That's what I say to them. <laughs> and then I say, accounting needs majors. Oh, you've already graduated? Too late. Uh, accounting needs Thanks majors. for listening to the Dream Destroyer podcast. <laughs> I'm free. No, but what was great. Yeah, I mean, but he, there are undergrad programs that prepare people well, too. That's the what Hofstra I'm saying. That's, that's what I insist upon doing in yeah. the program where I teach now, yeah, even though exactly. it is an underground program. I'm like, here, here's what I didn't get. You're going to yeah. get everything that I didn't get. Yeah. But on the flip side, the positive side, I'll turn it back around to a positive. I had you guys, you know, you guys were there in the city when you weren't in bathrooms or weren't singing too loud. <laughs> and I could go to you and say, all right, how do I navigate this? What do I do here? And, and, and soon enough, the three of us, plus some other wonderful people, including your sister, Fred, did our, did our own showcase, did our um, showcase. Where, where it was a real one and actual people came. And then also um, just just having you guys there as sort of a support system and support structure for me. Once I did move to the city about a year and a half later, I moved in, I want to say in the fall of 99. And then I started to get gigs. The other thing I was doing at this time was getting ready to be a substitute teacher uh, in, New Jer- in New Jersey yeah, and, and a bartender. I was working at... Uh, a uh, little place called Bennigan's. Remember Bennigan's? Yes. Oh, yeah. We've talked about Bennigan's. Yes, we've talked about that. It was like... Uh, With the flair. TGI Fridays. Yeah, exactly. It was the first... They have the great distinction of being the first restaurant where you looked around the restaurant and went, there's a lot of shit on the walls. And I know you're making a joke. Is that the first one to do that with like like license plates and Manchu cheese and steering wheels? The ground round was doing it before Bennigan's. Oh, the ground, the ground round and beefsteak Charlie's. Yeah, they wanted to make you think you were in an old time saloon. Beefsteak Charlie's. I always wanted to. I don't think I ever went there, or maybe we went there oh, once. Yeah. But for some reason, we went to the ground round all the time. But beefsteak Charlie's to me was like, oh, that's the promised land. Right, exactly, because they had because they had the sangria. That's what they would say. Well, you oh, you read my mind. Oh my god, you sangria. Read my the mind. commercials. Would be, I don't know about yeah. that. They would advertise. Uh, the commercials were all. No, like, for me, it was the guy with the mustache. Yeah. I wanted to see the I know, dude with and the he mustache. Was like, like had like two big pitches of sangria. <laughs> right. I didn't know what sangria was. But it was like high C. my mind. You were reading my mind. That was the first time I heard the word sangria, which would come I to, know. you know, dominate our parties that we would have in Queens. <laughs> but, but, but that guy with the mustache would come on TV and go, mm. beer, wine, or sangria, 1999, for plus your whole meal, by the way. And, and, you know, and he would, and he, and he would, Gene Charlie used to be Beefsteak Charlie. <laughs> he would have been the perfect Beefsteak Gene. 1999, a great year and a better price. <laughs> At Beefsteak Charlie's for just $9.99, get all the barbecue baby back ribs you can eat. Potato, unlimited shrimp and salad, and beer winer sangria, all for $9.99 at Beefsteak Charlie's. Why aren't you dressing as Beefsteak Charlie every Halloween, Dad? Oh my God. I sh- so- Why did I not do that for our 80s party? I should have been Beefsteak That's God true. Charlie. You should be Beefsteak Charlie. I could be Crazy Eddie. What should you be, Fred? What, uh, what, 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 80s local the mascot? Yes. Spuds McKenzie, maybe? Yes, oh yes, and God. yes. Both of those. Oh, God. Arthur Treacher from Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. <laughs> 
could have been. <laughs> or, or someone or someone else in the Treacher family, maybe on the board. Joey Treacher. Um, <laughs> Joey Treacher. Joey Treacher. <laughs> well, I'd be like the Godzuki or the Scrappy Doo to Arthur Treacher. Joey now Treacher. Arthur, come on, I want some fish and chips too. <laughs> yeah, you'd, be the, you'd be the Treacher creature. And we would just throw we'd throw seafood at your face. <laughs> Oh, God. Shape and form of like a, a <laughs> badly fried piece of fish. No, it's just the it's just the part that falls off. You, it's just the batter, just fried batter, just the batter, <laughs> just <laughs> sentient batter. That's the name of my band. That's what was all over the bathroom at uh, Clarity. Oh, fat folks, I saw the Seinfeld. I saw the Seinfeld finale. Dan, did you see it? You must have seen I, I remember it. the Ace of no. Base song. I saw the Seinfeld. I'm sorry. <laughs> Terribly sorry. And it opened and up it opened my up eyes. Your eyes. Yeah. And I you feel that. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. No. I. I was at this time when these movies came out. I was. Uh, I was back at my good friend. Texas Shakespeare Festival uh, was. I just started rehearsals. Friend. I was. I was doing what you literally are doing right now, Dan. I was directing. Complete works of William Shakespeare abridged. I wow. went there two weeks before, two or three weeks before the regular season started to direct a, a short, a short run. Like it was like a, a, I don't know, like a five performance run or something of complete works as like an opener to their season. And then we went into rehearsals for the other show. So I was, Great. I was directing it and I was in it. Oh, wow. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was fun. That. It was great. I mean, I imagine it was a lot. It was a, it was a lot. It was, I was too young and dumb to know that it was an impossible task. So I just did it. Um, that's great. It was good. It wound up, it wound up being a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I love that. I love that. I mean, obviously I've loved that show. I've done it a lot. At that point I had done it two or three times already. Wow. Just as an actor. Yeah. Cause I did it in at New Hampshire, Shakespeare. I did it at Kings County, Shakespeare in Brooklyn. Oh my and, God. So yeah, in Texas I was doing, uh, it was my, in some way, even though I went back and played Hamlet a couple of years later, in some ways this was the my favorite the most fun season because i i just had the i had the best part i was doing algernon and importance of being earnest i was doing uh ford in mary wives of windsor and i was doing nathan detroit and guys oh my god so fun 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 it was such a fun fun season it was so good i love big swinging dick wow i loved all my directors i loved it was my third in a row there and that was it was I still remember. I remember being, <laughs> I remember being on the, a payphone at, uh, the Jekyll and Hyde club, checking my service, checking my messages yeah. and getting the offer. And, and, and Raymond Caldwell saying what the roles were. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so, because he usually, wow. usually it's like you had one really good one, one medium size one, one small, you know, it was just like you, it, it was very odd to like have like three leads like that in, in a, a season. I, I don't know what, I don't know what possessed him, but it was, it was and a lot of fun. Your, and then the other thing was, how did your uh, Jekyll and Hyde character react on the phone when you were Johnny Pastrami or whoever the hell you were at Jekyll Johnny Hyde. Pastrami. I, what was the was, name of your character He was there? waiting to use the phone behind me. There was, yeah, if it was Brewster, See, if it was Brewster Device, he'd be like, he'd be like, yeah, man, cool. But if it was Brewster DeVice, he'd be like, oh, fuck yes. And if it was Ravenwood the butler, he'd be like, I'm out here. Here's my notice. And, you know, and then he'd piss on the floor. So 
Can we just go back and talk about services real quick? Because that was huge at this time. For the youngins who are listening, before we had this thing called cell phones, we had, it was sort of like beepers were big. Beepers had their moments. We had to have a beeper. And then they went to services and services, I think in, in back in the day, you would actually, I mean, this was after our time, but I think back in the day, from what I understand, you would call and there would be an operator and you'd be like, hi, I'm calling for, this is my service oh, right. number. And they would say, you have, you know, yes, you have a message or blah, 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 blah. By the time oh, we were doing it, it was, it was, it was like an, it was an answering service, Recorded, but yeah, there was nothing like that feeling of if it, if it <laughs> rang, if you if you dialed the number, if you put the quarter in it and it you yeah. heard the dial tone, you're like, well, I didn't get, I, there's nothing didn't there. Get, uh, but if it picked no up message. immediately, you yeah, and you get your quarterback. But if it picked up immediately, then you knew there was a message. And for us, that message yeah. usually meant a callback, an audition, yeah. you were getting a job. Yeah. So it was like that. It was that that magic click I used to call it. Hearing that Absolutely. little click and that excitement of, ooh, what is this going to be? What is this going to be? Like you always had a back pocket Constantly. full of tokens and quarters. Yes. It was, you always That's had people the subway service. tokens. Yeah, and people oh would always God. say, why do you have so many fucking quarters in your back pocket? I'm like, well, because I got a, you know, they always, I, the one thing I do know about Seinfeld is uh, George always had the giant wallet. And I remember oh, people yeah. saying, people being like, you're, you have like George Costanza pockets. And I didn't really get that because I'd never watched that stupid show, <laughs> but it was always because of the quarters because, well, I got to check my service. And like, I would literally be walking down the street. Like I have this image of me walking down the street on Broadway in the fifties near the Ed Sullivan theater. And just like yes. going from one payphone, popping it in, checking nothing going down like another two blocks. Well, let me just check yeah. again, you know, you and like were just obsessive. <laughs> you were yeah. obsessive. Yeah. That's what, you know, the way people <laughs> check their phones now, check their email, check their, this, yeah. their yeah. Yeah. Would, you'd go from, you'd go from, from pay phone to pay phone. There really weren't phone booths, although there were a couple, but they were, they were just the freestanding sort of no. pay phone. But do they even have those at nine X phones? Do they even have those anymore or in throughout New York? <laughs> they have, there's like a, a couple that you wouldn't want to even go anywhere you know yeah they don't even well, have you that would, anymore because of all the I mean, you know you know you don't care I, where you, know. you don't care what, what germs or disease no, Jason old. doesn't need any restrictions to keep him from going gonzo oh mercy that's right it's time for the muppet move oh no it's time for I wish it was time for the Muppet movie. I wish. It's time for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Universal Pictures presents the story that defined a generation. Johnny Depp. Hey, Benicio Del Toro. Let's get down to brass tacks here. How much for the eight? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, a Terry Gilliam film. All right, now I've got to go. It's on lunch! Radio, man, radio. You don't know what Journalist Raul Duke, played by Johnny Depp, and his attorney Dr. Gonzo, played by Benicio Del Toro, travel across the Mojave Desert in a red convertible carrying a suitcase full of drugs to cover a motorcycle race in Las Vegas. As their drug consumption increases at an alarming rate, the stoned duo trash their hotel room and fear legal repercussions. Duke begins to drive back to Los Angeles, but after a bizarre run-in with a police officer, played by Gary Busey, he returns to Sin City and continues his wild drug binge. That's the movie. 
Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas took in $4.3 million over its opening weekend on its way to a total box office of just $10.6 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Terry Gilliam's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Here's the thing about Easy Rider. Easy Rider Uh had a point. Easy Rider made a statement. Easy Rider had purpose. Easy Rider was a cultural touchstone. Easy Rider made you shocked, appalled, um, sad. It made you laugh, but it also made you go, wow, we're, we're on a, we're on a, America's on a particular trajectory. I don't know what the point, what's the point of this movie? It's really all I have to say about it. I don't know. I don't understand. I've never done a drug, like an actual. Uh, that's, gummy yeah, this is your there. review is my review. I've, had I, I've not done any drugs. Something. I haven't done a drug, like a drug drug. I don't know if you guys have, but it's, it's, I mean, is the every, every once in a while you get a shot of a some, they're seeing something on TV. They're seeing the Vietnam War, they're seeing a this or seeing that. And you go, okay, the movie's inching towards a point. And, uh, you know, tune in, drop out, drop in, tune in, tune out, drop in, drop out. I get it. <laughs> I understand. Go watch Easy Rider. This movie doesn't have a point. I think the point, no, I think it does. I I think you're right. It it gets lost in the chaos of it. Uh, And I mean, it's the the pure hedonism. But I I mean, I think it's about, um, did you guys ever read the book, by the way? No. No, I did not. No. Which is what I thought. I was like, that's, a, you know, I'm sure the book is its own experience. I guess but- yeah, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's a weird thing. I don't know if I love the movie. I appreciate it. I did read the book and it's, I, I think it's probably the best uh, cinematic version of the book you're going to get. Like on that, I think it's a pretty mm. incredible achievement. Does that make it a great movie that you're going to want to watch? No, not necessarily, but it, it does get uh I think it gets the feel of the book down really well, but I think sort of like Easy Rider does. But I, I, you're right, Easy Rider is a movie that that really sort of shocks you more, I think, and, and makes more of a point. But um, I think it's Hunter S. Thompson showing like uh, the worst of America, what America's become in Las Vegas being that like extreme America, like obsession with like money and capitalism, and just how vulgar. We, you know, America is and yeah. this money obsessed and, and the garishness. And, you know, that's why everyone sort of becomes like these disgusting, you know, d- dinosaurs. And it, I think that's the mm. point. That's what he's going for. And that part was good because it reminded me of Super Mario Brothers. I know. I, that's, I thought of you. I, I thought of you. I was like, this is like Super Mario Brothers. So Dan must love this. Except sequence. not as good. Except not yeah, as good. Yeah. But that's what I think that's what Hunter S. Thompson was doing with the book and showing that it's similar to Easy Rider that, um, you know, it's these people who want to drop out and like find this like, uh, you know, this great American dream or something. And like, well, this is what it is. It's it, it hmm. doesn't matter. All everything that we did in uh, in, in you know, in the 60s, everything that we wanted to do, uh, you know, and, and find this great freedom or or or, you know, this group love or whatever it is, this utopia like. It's no, this is what we, what we've right. ended with. This is yeah, what it the all, dream of the sixties failed. That was powerful. That was yeah. a, the, that little quote at the end or, or the, the, the sort of coda on the movie where it's like, Hey, the, the dream of the, and, and that yeah. was, um, remind me who that was, uh, was that, uh, was it Abby Hoffman that they quoted at the very, very end? I can't remember now. One of the sixties icons and who, who said, this is the, 
the dream, the dream of the sixties died or the dream of Woodstock died or something. And I was like, oh, okay, there's, there's now we've, now we've re, now we've dipped our little toe into what the point yeah, of the but, movie is. But the, but the movie takes place in 1971. You're going to quote somebody from Woodstock and then be like, dream of the sixties didn't work out. It's like, it's 1971. Yeah, but that's soon after. <laughs> that was the whole, I, I don't, that's what I mean. The dream of the sixties, <laughs> you didn't have a chance oh. to see how it worked out. It's not like it's 1982 and you're like, how's it work? Remember the sixties? Yeah. Give it yeah. a chance, people. Yeah. Give it a chance. It's like 1971. And everybody's like, oh, the dream of the 60s. Look how bad we've shit the bed. Yeah, because you're all on drugs. Uh It it was not like, like, oh, look at the hedonism of, yeah, we all know Las Vegas is tacky. The only hedonism, and it was just those two guys, just like two assholes like that I couldn't barely bear watching. This movie I had a complicated thing with because I, I had sex with it in the bathroom. No, I, I, because I, no, because at first I really did not like it. I remember in my notes, I'm like, at the nine minute mark, I was like, I'm done with this movie. Had either of you guys seen this before, by the way? No, I had never seen no, it. Did you? I saw it in the theaters. Yeah, Ooh, I saw it when it first Lord. came out. I remember being interested because I, you know, loved Johnny Depp so much at that time, and I and I feel like his the outsized weirdness and his kind of caricature portrayal probably probably played better then than it does now because now he's done so many oddball cartoon caricatures that this just feels like one in a, you know what I mean? One in a series. But at that time he had just come off of Donnie Brasco and, you know, he had done Edward Scissorhands and Ed Wood, but this felt like, you know, it was like, Oh yeah, he's the right guy to do this. But now, in retrospect, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I forget Amber Heard. I wanted this shit in his bed. Thank you very much. <laughs> but, but seriously, I was like, he wasn't doing it for me at first. Um, Benicio del Toro, one of the great actors, but my God, but he was great, but great, great actors and grating. I like it was a yeah. grating performance yeah. to me. But, but. Yeah, there's no, I don't find that there's a story or anything going on, but there is a point where the movie takes a turn for me and became compelling. Maybe it was the Gary Busey scene. I don't know. I thought that was a, I thought that was a funny scene. Yeah. I kind of liked it. it there was something Coen Brothersy about it. We have two cases of beer, a basket of grapes, and a stack of t-shirts and towels, light bulbs. Realize what you did when you drive like that. Yeah, I know. I'm guilty. I understand that. I knew it was a crime. I did it anyway. Should why argue? I'm a fucking criminal. Look at me. You have a strange attitude. Maybe. You know, I have a feeling you need to take a nap. And then the really difficult scenes toward the end. That that scene with Ellen Barkin in the diner with the yeah. lemon meringue pie. Oh I God. mean, Del Toro is like. It's it's like Stanley Kowalski. It's dangerous. Yeah. It's it's ugly. It's scary. Yeah. I, I loved uh, certain scenes and moments, and they're still stuck in my mind. And we watched this movie a while ago, uh, and I'm like, oh, I I don't know what to make of this, but it's not without merits. But uh, no. but it, it lost me early on, and then it, it got me back because I had to watch it. Yeah, but that might be a comment too. I got the impression, especially by that scene, because you're right, they're very, <laughs> I don't want to say they're uh, they're unlikable, they are unlikable, but yet I-, I couldn't, I don't know, I was going along, they took me along 
with the journey. And maybe that's a part of, again, <clears throat> this might be more of me of, of reading the book. And I also read a whole book about Hunter S. Thompson. So I knew a lot about him and, and that, mm. the, the and again, this isn't saying this makes it a great movie, but knowing that, you know, like what Gonzo journal, yeah, the idea of what Gonzo journalism was and about the idea of like, you put yourself into the story. There's no objectivity. You know, he went there. He was, he was supposed to do a piece about, you know, the book came about because he was, it was articles basically for Rolling Stone magazine. And Mm -hmm. he was supposed to do this thing about, um, the, the, the race in the desert. And rather than just writing about the race in the desert, he ended up writing about him writing about the race in the desert and fuck it, what I did there, which was take a lot of drugs. So I thought they did a good job bringing that all to life. And, but I think it also, maybe there's a comment in what you were saying at the end, we're commenting on the vulgarities of America and like, you know, it's a circus and Las Vegas is a circus and this is what it is. Yeah. There's a war going on. People are watching it on TV, but yeah. here in safe America, there's a circus going on in Las Vegas, yeah. but maybe we're not so great either. Look at us. Like the ones who are like, nah, we're just going to be, you know, freedom of expression mm. and take drugs and open our minds. Maybe we're the monsters as well. Like that's mm. sort of what I got from that scene at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, that there was a lot of, again, I think it's a lot of thoughts that he's just throwing against. And I don't remember if the book is a little more structured and if I, I don't remember reading the book and I feel like I read the book. I got the same feeling from reading the book and the movie. Just like, whoa, that's, there's a lot. There's just, you know, it's like, like Ralph Stedman, who's the artist who did all those famous Rolling Stone paintings, yes. you know, of all the Hunter S. Thompson stuff. You've yeah, seen them, yeah. you know, like if, even if you don't know his name, like when you see those images, you go, oh yeah, I know that. It's iconic. It's yeah. iconic. Yeah. And like those images and those colors and the grotesqueness, uh, it's like, the, you know, the, 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 the cover of the, the poster for this movie, yeah. that sums up to me the book and the movie, whether that's something I want to watch again or read again. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's some beautiful, there's some really interesting prose, you know, and, and those to mm-hmm. me, like you said before, those are sort of the best parts of the movie where they, they take that prose and Johnny Depp just sort of reads it straight, yes. you know, like the narration. Um, it's definitely, it's an experience. Well, Terry Gilliam, you're going to, any Terry Gilliam movie you see, you're going to have an experience. And you, yeah, you yeah, def- yeah. he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's after. He's very smart and he knows how to, how to film things with, with, uh, uh, with a certain point of view and with a, with a certain style, he, you know, from, from, from time bandits to, 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 I mean, all of his movies, I mean, take, take any, pick any one and, and it's going to have King. a, yeah, Fisher King, my God, it's going to have a certain, King. uh, visual style to it. Uh-huh. But, but, um, you know, I, I, now that you're putting it in context for me, Fred, I, I, what, what I was like, okay, they, they dip their toe into this, that, that is actually what they, what they are doing, you know, and what Hunter S. Thompson assuredly is doing. He's, he's, I guess saying, and, and I guess to your point, Jason, why not give it a, why not pump the brakes? Why not give it a few years <laughs> until you, until you declare the sixties counterculture dead? Um, you know, um, uh, I guess because he's trying to pinpoint the moment it yeah. died yeah. and that could be Vietnam, you know, that, 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 that's, that, that's yes, where that's he's saying, good, you know, it's point. not the death of Kennedy. It's not the, it's not Watergate, it's Vietnam. And, and, and you you just said something very powerful, Fred, as, of like, here, here you go with a war happening, um, you know, that Americans are, are uh, fighting in uh, across the, 
across the globe. And here we are, you know, trying to, trying to win money, uh, and, and being that, and the fact that they, they too are the monsters. Yeah. That Ellen Barkin scene, I was like, Oh, now I, now I, I didn't like them before. Now I really don't like these two. Yeah. San Francisco in the middle sixties was a very special time and place to be a part of, but no explanation. No mix of words or music or memories can touch that sense of knowing that you were there and alive in that corner of time in the world. Whatever it meant. Um, I didn't like Johnny Depp's performance. There, there's only so much I can take of him, like snapping his head and looking wide-eyed at the camera with the with the you know mm-hmm. with the cigarette in his mouth. He does that ninety-seven thousand <laughs> times. You know who's fucking great? Chris Maloney. Chris Maloney. I've never seen Chris Maloney yes. like this. Yes. He's spectacular. Oh, you got to see him in the in the Harold and Kumar movies. He's unrecognizable. Well, oh, right, that's right. Yeah, he does comedy when he, he, he Oh, I know he does oh, from Wet Hot, Hot American, American Summer. Yeah, Wet Hot American Summer. Yes. But a character like this, I I I just hadn't seen. He just seems so different than anything I've seen him. Very, play, very, very different. Yeah, he's super funny. He's so good. Listen, you fuzzy little shithead. I've been fucked around in my time by a fairly good cross-section of mean-tempered, rule-crazy cops. And now, it's my turn. So fuck you, officer. I'm in charge. I, l- I know what you're saying, Dan. It's a lot. And I think maybe, yes, in context at the time, as you said earlier, Jason, this was something different, you know, it was because now we're so used to, as you said, Depp doing those crazy characters. Yeah. I think at the time it was like, whoa, this is wild. I found, I was, I, to me, he was doing Groucho. He was, at, at times he was he even is. like mm-hmm. doing like mm-hmm. the duck walk and the bow legs. And I, I, I enjoyed but that. But that. Marx Brothers movies are 70 minutes long. You know, <laughs> so much you can yeah. take <laughs> of that. I can't take, you know, 90, 100 like, minutes of Donnie Depp going, <laughs> And, and opening his eyes and looking sideways. I just, I, that's not a performance. That's just, it's just monkey. Yeah, well, it's a performance. It's, a performance. <laughs> it's, it's performative for sure. Yeah, no, it's like, it's, yeah. He, I, I think if, that's why I say, I think if this, at the time this came out, it might've played better only because you could say, well, this might be a miss, but it's a, it's a noble miss because he's really going for something and you're, and you're sure. grading it against the the catalog of his work prior to that. And we're now seeing it in context of all the similar performances he's given I since guess then, right. I think, I you know what right. I mean? Because Jack Sparrow is amazing and fantastic, especially in yes. the first one or two films. But some of these other, you know, Alice in Wonderland, a lot of it, you know, he's, it's, you start seeing more glimmers of this Hunter S. Thompson thing where it's like, he's he's just doing, he's just doing, he just does weird stuff for the sake of doing weird yeah. stuff sometimes. Look, but, if it had uh, been Johnny Depp and Peter DeLuise in this thing, you've got my money. <laughs> if they're going down the road trying to, and they go to Las Vegas, they go to Las Vegas high school and try to solve a carnival. <laughs> With Holly Robinson, Pete, with Holly Robinson, and you know, and they're trying to try to get rid of the drugs in the high school rather than do all the drugs, and then they accidentally fall into the seventies. Boom! That's a real one hundred and eighty for him, right? Trying to get rid of the drugs to consume all the drugs. See, yeah, that's what he is. His range, his range.
Brand you guys new. didn't like Benicio del Toro in it? In this? Yeah, what, 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 uh, he what, always what, drives me a little crazy. <laughs> He's such a great actor, but I'm always like, speak clearly. Get it. I'm always like, okay, you're very talented. You're in the moment. He's constantly doing free play, but yeah. he's doing the most disgusting version of free play all the time. It's like, do you want me to shit myself? Do you want me to pour this on me? Do you want me to piss? Do you want me to shoot blood out of my nose? Do you want me to you know, fuck somebody with a ham sandwich? I mean, he's just like, I, he's, he well, scared I, me. I like that scene. That scene was scary. That I was like, even when he's in the bathtub. Of, that's Brando-ish. No, that was ridiculous. Him in the bathtub. I want. I, I was like, just put. I was so hoping. I was. Like, is he gonna get electrocuted? Yeah, is he gonna slit his wrist? Is this going to end? Will this end now? And can I just follow Johnny Depp as the bald penguin? <laughs> I can see where he goes. No, I like that one scene, that horrifying scene in the in the diner or the the luncheonette or whatever. Yeah, uh, it was horrifying. But no, I Benicio del Toro is a funny one to me. I'm trying to think of a performance that I've. He's great loved in traffic. His. traffic. Traffic is great. Terrific. I've never seen Traffic. Oh, you'd love it. It's good. It's very, very good. I very, have to see good. that. Yeah. And of course, he's great in Usual Suspects, but he's also uh, known yeah. for like the, just mumbling his performance. And I know I've liked him in things. I definitely have. But uh, yeah, this was like, oof. It's like I said, it's the, it's takes the book. It takes what should be something, something that's so unfilmable and does a good job with it. And uh, you know, whether you go with it or not, whether you like the movie, it, I don't, I think fans of the book, I could be wrong, but I think they'd be hard pressed to be like, nah, it doesn't work for me. Like if you like the book, I I feel like you're going to like the movie. I'm glad glad Boz Lorman wasn't in charge. I'm glad Leguizamo was not cast in this thing. (laughs) I give it 5.5. I'd give this, uh, I'm reaching towards an eight. I might give it a, a seven and a half. Cause I really, I think Gilliam did a great job. You feel, you watch and you feel like you're on hallucinogenic drugs. Five, five is high for, for, but I, but it was, there were things that I liked that were compelling, but I can't, I don't, I can't recommend it unless you've read the book. You gave it a five and that's no jive. If we're talking about the hive. Then Sheila's alive. There you go. (laughs) Sheila, where's she been? Okay. Yes. It's time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for Bullworth. By March 1996, Bob Dole and President Clinton had locked up their party's presidential nominations. And while California approached its primary with little fanfare or attention, Democratic Senator J. Billington Bullworth embarked upon the final weekend of his re-election campaign. If you promised us federal funding to rebuild our community, what happened? Well, you, you haven't really contributed any money to my campaign, have you? What are you saying? Are uh, you saying that the Democratic Party don't care about the African-American community? Isn't that obvious? I mean, you don't put down that malt liquor and chicken wings and get behind somebody other than a running back who stabs his wife. 
You're never gonna get rid of somebody like me. That was really good. Yo. Yo, yo, yo to you. Later. I was hoping for sooner. Senator, what is this new strategy? Just tell me a little bit. Senator Bulworth. Excuse me, Senator. Do you think it's wise to seek the support of the entertainment industry when you have such low opinion of our product? My guys are not stupid. They always put the big Jews on my schedule. Excuse me? Murphy, put something bad about Farrakhan in here for you. Let me look. Senator Jay Bulworth, played by Warren Beatty, is disillusioned with politics and the way his once proud liberal values have been perverted over the course of a career spent in thrall to special interests. The forlorn statesman orders a contract killing on himself so that his family will be able to collect a fortune from a lucrative insurance policy drawn up by a great Paul Sorvino. Facing imminent death unleashes something within Bulworth, who now feels free to speak his mind in public, forsaking campaign platitudes for honest but highly controversial observations about the Democratic Party's true attitude towards, among other things, race and poverty. But when he falls in love with a gorgeous and mysterious young woman named Nina, played by Halle Berry, Bulworth urgently rethinks his impending murder. Also starring Christine Baranski, Oliver Platt, Jack Warden, and Don Cheadle, Bulworth had a strong opening for such a niche film, taking in $12.4 million over its first few days of wide release, but ultimately grossing just $29.2 million by the end of its theatrical run. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Bullworth? Godzilla is the worst movie we've seen on this podcast by far. Bullworth. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as you were talking, I was like, oh fuck, I'm going to talk about Bullworth. I don't really remember. What I do remember is my hatred to Godzilla. So I was like, let me just get <laughs> yeah, that, that out Bullworth. 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 I never saw it when it came out. I remember it was oh. controversial. Mm. Uh, I remember hearing that, but I didn't, but I, yeah, I knew nothing else about it. This was the first time I saw it. Uh, I remember as it's starting, I'm going, fuck, what a, it's a hell of a cast. Jack mm-hmm. Warden right there. Boom. Amazing cast. Yeah, I love Jack Warden. They didn't give Jack Warden anything to do. No, he's good in everything. And yeah, he really so did. One of my favorites of all time. He's so great. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what to, what to, what to make of this movie. Uh, not, not the least mm. of which, cause it was like, Five weeks ago that I watched it, uh, uh, whatever it was. Oh yeah, should we apologize to the people? It's my. You may fault. have noticed that it's, it's been a while since yeah. our last episode. They've they they know it's mostly my. <laughs> if they're listening, they're like, oh, "Did you die? <laughs> no, we're here. <laughs> we did for a little while. Yeah, well, sure. Back. Sometimes did is bitter. Sometimes <laughs> bitter. Uh, sorry, back to Bulwer. Yeah, uh, it aimed. So high, it had such good yes. intentions. I think, uh, I, 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 there was so many things that I liked about it, but I just don't think it works in the end. It just didn't. Hmm. I, I was it. It disappointed me. It kept every time I was like, "Oh," I was followed by like, "Oh," and huh. I, I don't know what that is. There was something about how it was filmed and edited that bothered me. Uh, it, really? Yeah, th- and it's a little this, clunky. You're right. It's There's a little, a little clunky. It's a little bit clunky. And this could have something to do with Beatty directing it. In this, you know, it, a lot of it reminded me of how movies like 
early baby movies like Bonnie and Clyde, like, you know, movies from the 60s or Easy Rider were filmed as great as they are. You watch them now and there's a certain way of, of, uh, of framing things, of cutting things that doesn't, they don't flow sometimes as well as maybe more modern movies do just the way we're used to it. And I got that. There was a lot of choppiness to this. Yeah. Kept, jarring. Yeah. That kept taking me out just in terms of how the film was put together for me. Um, I, the rap, I kept thinking of the Super Bowl shuffle. That's it, it was. And I, I guess that was the point that mm-hmm. he is mm-hmm. like, I, I really liked the beginning. I loved the idea that this guy was at the end of his rope uh, and just how dark it was and um, I love the opening just the commercial playing over and over again I love how it was in the real world how we're hearing about Bob Dole and Clinton right off the bat it wasn't yeah. like you know oh and President Harrison or whatever fake president it was going on in the real world this was happening in the world that we live in and I love all of the ideas behind it I just found the execution a bit silly uh him doing that rap, yes, he was bad at it, and that was the point. He's supposed to be bad at it, but it was still too good. I'm like, no. There you go, Fred. You nailed no, it. No, it was. It's it. it's as unslick as he performed it, which was great. Right. It just came out of nowhere. Yes. You know, it was. He would so not have that facility to no. rhyme in that in that and way. That, but, it, but also, on the other hand, it is a satire, so you have to give it a little bit of a fable. It's a little, yeah, but yes, I get that. But it was too big of a jump from yeah. point A to point B within that satire. I yeah. would have bought it. I bought a lot else about it, but I wish there was more of a build up. It, it was just suddenly like, oh. I met a black person. Now I can rap. It's up to you. What'll we do? What'll we do? Well, it's up to you. You know what ain't that funny? You contribute all my money. You make your contribution, then you get your solution. As long as you can pay, I'm gonna do it all your way. Yes, the money talks and the people walk. Yeah. Now let me hear you say it. Big money. Big money. Big money. Big money. Big money. Big money, big money, big money, big money, one man, one vote. Now is that really real? The name of our game is Let's Make a Deal. Now people got their problems, the has and the have not, but the ones that make me listen pay for 30 second spots. 30 seconds, yeah. 30, 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, there was just other things like Sean Astin. What was the point? Why was he there? There was a lot of... Sean Astin, no point. Uh, Nora Dunn and the other guy in the truck, really no point. The, uh, Jack Warden, really no point. There's a lot of, a lot of yeah. you know, great cast members just sort of sort of left to the winds in this thing. And, well, Jack and, and you kind of go, what the played hell? The, uh, Jack Warden could have played the assassin, I mean, uh, uh, or something. He could have had more of a role. The others, sure. they're there because that's that's part of it is that they're covering him live. They're covering every stop, you know, I mean, we're used to now, like if Trump farts sideways, you know, it's, it's on CNN, it's on MSNBC, it's on Fox. Like this is, this is the dawn of that. And, uh, and so that excuse that, Oh, C-SPAN is 
following the campaign for the next 24 the hours or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got it, that. Embedded report, it, well, that's the, that's their point. <laughs> that's their but function. We're saying and, stars and are in those, can, there are stars in those roles who are given nothing to because do. Because you can, because it's Warren Beatty. I and guess. He's cast and everybody can be a star in it. You know, I, I think that's it. No, I did. I did see this when it came out. Did you see this when it came out, Jason? I, I did. I saw it opening week. Uh, I saw it, I saw uh, it too. It, we down, were, uh, I, down in Texas. I, I feel like that. we went to see it. Uh, my grad school friends and I were in Florida just before um, graduation. Uh, I was but, very excited. Um, to see yeah, it. and I liked it then. I like it now. I still think it. I still think it mostly works. I think it works more than it doesn't. I think it's bold. It's very risky. Mm-hmm. It's very. Um, a lot of it's sort of a hail mary pass and sort of saying, "Well, I hope this works. I hope somebody catches this ball at the other end." Um, uh, and uh, I really. You know, yeah, there are sort of leaps within the satire that you have to, you either go with or you don't buy. I don't buy the, 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 he goes to the, uh, the black church, says appalling things. And then immediately afterwards, everyone is like, we want to be part of your campaign. And it's like, no, I don't buy that one. Well, but in today's context, that to me was the most interesting thing that watching it, yeah, in today's context, you're like, yes. oh, well, he's just speaking unfiltered. And that's basically what we have now. That's 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 what's happened with Trump. You know, the, the part where sure. uh, the part where, where Larry King is like, oh, yeah, we got to get your boy on the new. That twist <laughs> yes. is literally what we're living now. That, that I mean, makes it sense. is so yes. pr- it, yeah. the movie is so prescient. There are Warren things. Warren yeah. must be sitting at home being like, I predicted that this fucking shit would happen. That somebody not. That, and Bullworth is no Trump. But the no. idea of. If somebody could cut through the bullshit and just talk and connect with people, it will make it will make a difference. There will be a sea change. Unfortunately, it's a fucking it's in the other direction. Fascist game show host is the one who's cutting through the bullshit and and, and keeping it, quote unquote, real when it's not real, but just completely speaking his mind and winning everybody over. It was chilling watching it this time. I've seen it many times, but I haven't Mm. seen it in years. And at that point, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even you would think you're seeing even from the trailers, you know, he's talking about oh, the big Jews give me money and this and that. And you're like, oh, it's like Archie Bunker on the campaign right. trail. And you yeah, think you'd right. make the Trump connect and you, you think the Trump connection would feel strong enough there. Yes and no. It was like, yeah, 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 yeah. When I was watching the movie and it got to that point where it was like, look at him, how, how can he possibly how can he possibly go any further in this campaign? And then the numbers come in and people find him refreshing. And I was like, wow, this is, I forgot this twist. And it's that Larry King scene that did it for me where I was like, oh my God, it's Trump. I wonder, I wonder if this movie could be made today in this way, in this same way with as, as, as you said earlier, Fred, as controversial and sort of edgy, uh, as it was even then, you know, but I think it could, I think it could because, um, of, of everything we're, we're seeing now. I love Here's the seeing, thing. I don't um, think, I, I don't think it see- could. Sorry. Well, I don't think not? it could, you know, I, I think it should be. I don't think it I should don't think be people, able to be. Right. I don't think people would get it. I don't think people would get that's the satire. That's what I thought. That's what I, I thought, people, Fred. They wouldn't get that it's a satire. They, 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 they would be too, their offense at it, at the things he's saying, would over would overwhelm the fact that no, no, hang on, gang, this is a satire of American politics. I, I totally agree with you. That's yeah. where I landed as well. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's, no, it's, sad, it's sad to me that, like, because as I was saying, I think that's the satire of this. I agree with you what you're saying. This is a Hail Mary pass, and, and now thinking back, watching it, being going, wow, this is really bold. Wow, he's really, yeah. really, he's pulling no punches. He is going for this, which I really like. Uh, and I think it is sad that today you you couldn't do that because people wouldn't be able to understand the satire and agreed, you know, it's, I, uh, you'd have to look at it. With I don't know. Lens. Is it that, or is it that it's too close to our reality? It to could be even that too. Register. I yeah. mean, we've lived it. We've lived it. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I you know, have I think to do it in would, a different way, but you're right. Maybe, it, maybe it could work in a different way. What's brave about it too, is that he's taking it to, it's not a, He's not playing this, you know, CD Republican guy. But he's taking it to his own party. You know, he's a he's a, his own a, party, a, yeah. a staunch and and well known Democrat and liberal who's you know disillusioned with his own with his own party, and that's what he's he's examining. And I I think it's uh, I, I think it's feels like a weird fable ultimately. And when you have that mm-hmm. the, the homeless man who comes and speaks to the Amiri camera at the end, you're like, oh, okay, you got. You know who that is, right? Do you, no, you know that he's no. one of the great playwrights uh, of the '60s oh. and one of the oh, great wow. poets of the '60s. He's oh, a poet laureate of New, he's New Jersey's own. Do you do you know the play Dutchman? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. That's, oh, right, he wrote of that course. play. Yeah, oh, wow. under, the, under a different name, he, he used to be known as Leroy Jones. I didn't understand the point of play. him. You know, oh, I, he's, I, the, he's the soothsayer, baby. He, he's the he's yeah. the he's the guy who comes out and says, you know, you you you're no good to anyone if you're dead. You have to you have to be alive and stay alive and say the things that you're going to say and and keep going. And then right at the end, he's looking right at the camera at the and camera, saying, yeah. OK, the ball has been passed to you now because this guy didn't make it. I totally forgot that Bullworth dies at the end of the thing. Well, I was you know what? shocked. And I, uh, but I was you totally know what? shocked. I don't know that he dies. Well, that's I, true. You're right. You're right. You're because right. You don't know But if I he never dies. thought that. You're I right. always thought he died. I've seen this movie probably a dozen yeah. times. And but then it's never confirmed it he's dead. Night, you're right. It's never confirmed. And he's at yeah. there outside the hospital. He's outside. The, right. that actor you just mentioned yeah. is outside Cedar sinai I think. Yes. And, and I was doing some reading on it and it was like, it was supposedly left ambiguous, but I, I think the, but the impression you get is that he died. You do get that and impression, that, and but that, it's you know, that he vague. died at the hospital or he died wherever, but it's, so there's a sliver of a chance that he's still alive, but that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is like, like, you know, they talk about yeah. all the great, le- all the great black leaders who, right. you know, are killed or civil people who try to like change the, the conversation, right. the civil rights leaders, mm. even though the mm. white one, you know, Robert F. Kennedy, people that, yep. that, you know, Gandhi, I mean, to make change yeah. and they they don't survive so i think that is the the point ultimately but yeah it's uh he's saying he's saying that oof. you know you you've got to you you've I, I feel like he's saying to us uh, you know okay the spirit of the the person who wants to change the game for the better can live in you it can live in you but you have to act upon it and you got to stay alive long enough to to do it but and that, that's why it takes that kind of bravery and courage the bravery and courage of a of a Martin Luther King to to kind of you know to be able to do that i love that that um a a, a, a revolutionary playwright poet voice like Amiri Baraco signed on to this mm. film and said yes that's that, that that's a message yeah. for you know an audience that's going to go see a Warren Beatty movie to, to, you know, come away, to come away from it with. I thought it was very, I thought it was very, very powerful. And I loved, I loved seeing him uh, in that. Cause I don't know that he, 
that Amiri Baraka acted all that much. He was more of a writer and poet and playwright. So that was that was very thrilling to me. I, I, I think the I, I find the whole movie powerful. I do find it fascinating. It's like a, a fascinating thing to watch because it is there are like weird moments and tonal shifts and do I buy this or do I buy that? And the, and I get everything you're saying about the rapping, but there's something, there's this heightened reality to the whole there is, piece yeah. that, yeah. uh, that allows me to go on the ride. And I kind of me too. love what the movie's saying and, and, and in many ways how it says it so much that I actually, I'd liked it more this time than I ever have. And it's always been, mm. It kind of one of my uh, of this year. I always remember like 1998 had a lot of. I know people talk about 1999 being such a great movie year, and it is. But 1998 had a lot of movies that I really, really dearly love, and Bullworth is one of them. It's like mm-hmm. in my top four or five movies of that year, along with stuff like Shakespeare in Love and Rushmore. Um, oh, yeah. I just, I really do. I love it. I think Beatty's. I think all his. I think his work on every front is pretty brilliant as an actor he can be uh, you know he's he's a he's a funny presence as an actor you know there's something can be something a little creaky and mannered and i don't know how to describe it it you works know, for but, him in this but it works for him in this and even the you know and the stuff you say about the rapping you're right that moment the moment where he transitions into <laughs> being able to deliver a full-fledged rap right at, the, out, at out that event is feels like that's impossible but i'll tell you when he's dressed in all the hip hop regalia and yes. he's on that TV interview and he's just rapping like that, you know, it's just, he's just, he's That's not even really, really rapping, but it's like he's scene. speaking, yeah. he's speaking in spoken word rhythmic poetry. Yes. And it's creepy the way it's lit, the way it's filmed, the kind of silence of it all, you know, like even the studio that he's in is it's weird. It's, 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 it's dark and it's stark and it, it feels like the climax of like Joker. It feels like it's mm-hmm. creepy. It's like mm-hmm. you have a creepy, ominous sense of what this TV ominous. Yeah, interview is, is doing. There's something ominous about it. And of course he looks ridiculous, right? But it also, I don't know, it's kind of chilling. The movies, the tabloids, TV and magazines, they tell us what to think and do in all our hopes and dreams. All this information makes America fat. But if the company's out of the country, how American is that? But we got Americans with families can't even buy a meal. Ask a brother who's been downsized if he's getting any deal. Or a white boy busting ass till they put him in his grave. He ain't got to be a black boy to be living like a slave. Rich people have always stayed on top by dividing white people from colored people. But white people got more in common with colored people than they do with rich people. We just got to eliminate them. So I wish you would have cut out the Super Bowl shuffle rap. You don't need that. And and build it there, but that's where he that's that's what that. builds yeah. to. Then maybe yeah. he's still yeah, speaking. I, maybe that's what I would have preferred more if he was still speaking his mind and slowly learning how to speak in this new way. Yeah, uh, there you go. And then it builds to that interview. Yeah, he could have had bursts instead of. You know, uh, 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 but you know, I mean, he's, you're, you're, you're definitely watching him rap is pretty painful. I mean, I think he's not good at it, but I know he's better at it than he should be. Certainly, that's, that yeah, that was the only scene. thing. It was it was a weird yeah. thing. Because I'm like, wow, he's really good at not being good, but he's still too good at this point. So <laughs> I was, it. I was torn. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah, definitely making yeah. me want to possibly, maybe rewatch it again and see what I missed. Because, yeah, listening to you now, I'm, I am realizing, as I said before, like, wow, it really. 
he did really sort of go for it. And, uh, and I think, and maybe that's what it is too. It's watching it now since I didn't see it then, you know, watching it now going, Oh my God, I can't believe this, this guy is saying this stuff. And, and, you know, it's realizing that, no, this was made at a time when you could do that and you might not get, you know, a smack on the pee pee for it. Whereas now I think it's harder to do that. So I'm looking, since you guys saw it then. Yeah, I think it'd be hard. I think you're right in the sense that it would be hard to do that and have him still be the hero of the piece by the end. Like you could have a a character, an unsavory character, uh, you know, saying some of these things in a movie, but it would be hard for that to be your, (laughs) yeah, your, your leading man. (laughs) Man, I think you're, I think you're right. There's a bit of like the white savior thing with it. I think that, you know, that that would also track anymore. The whole thing with Don Cheadle and, you know, he comes in and teaches the, teaches the, the, the Don Cheadle character a lesson and who then changes his ways and saves yeah. him. Also, you know, I, I really think that Don Cheadle was great in it. And I think, and we haven't talked about Halle Berry yet. I think she, um, uh, you know, this was She's, in some ways kind of, cause this is before monsters ball and everything, right. Or is it after? Uh, yeah, uh, no, it's before. It's before. Yeah. So is this, is this one of her first this, big, big movies? Cause she's dynamite. I, I think so. Like, yeah. Post Flintstones, sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it what is. What happened it's to like, her X Men then? Well, listen, uh, she already had an Oscar. That's by the time also before Monsters Ball, around, right? right? Yeah. Is it? Oh, uh, okay. I think Monsters Ball. I think that was two thousand one. Was Monsters Ball and yeah. X Men was two thousand. I like Halle Berry and X Men. I got no problem with her in there. Ooh, I don't, I don't know, like her in there. No but that might be the script too. <laughs> you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? What the fuck are you talking about? Same thing that happens to everything else. Oh, that's no, she's she's very good in this, and I like the twist. She's really good. Um, Paul Sorvino was very good. Paul Sorvino, yeah, Paul Sorvino yeah, was real good. Everyone, everyone in great. the cast was great. I mean, it was I like, like I said, Sorvino with a southern accent. That's a lot of fun. That that's was a fun. lot of fun. Super fun. Yeah, it was really. It really was. It was a very different. Characterization. Oliver Platt's I thought Cheadle was, was great. Cheetah? Oliver Platt's great. Oliver Platt's so good to see his mania as it goes on and on. He's just trying to, a little repetitive, but he try. He's keep trying to fix and try. And then when things change and he's getting popular again, he's really yeah. trying to encourage that. It's a nice twist there. It's a great twist. Yeah. It's a great it's a great twist. I think Beatty's great. I th- I, I'll tell you the, one of the graciousness that I love. So I also think it's a very moving, I think it's very moving in the portrait of, of, depression and suicidal thoughts and you know he's not sleeping he's not eating he's just so miserable and so empty and i'm not saying that it's Mm. you know it's i guess it's problematic to say if you just say what you really think about you know about this group of people and that group of people that liberate it's not that it's it's you know these problematic archie bunker things that he says i'm not saying that those are good things but there's the moment where he is casting off the weight on his shoulders and feels like he can just be honest in whatever forms that takes. And the life force comes back to him and he's stuffing right. his fit. Like yeah. he can't get enough food. He's, he hasn't been in eight days. It's beautiful. And then I think when he sleeps for days at the oh, end, yeah. it's so beautiful. It's gorgeous. He just, when he falls asleep, he can really sleep and his body yeah. needs it so much. I, you know, I think, that, yeah, I, I think it's, He's I think those grace notes are really, uh, are really beautiful. I think he plays them very, very, very well. Isn't it ironic um, that the thing that's driving him crazy is that he has compromised 
his principle. He's he, he's found ways as a Democrat to to in essence cross yeah. over and say, here are the Republican esque things that I've that I've infused into my campaign because I have yeah. to in order to get reelected. Now yeah. the pendulum has swung. We are really crossed that Rubicon now, as they say, because mm. now any compromise, what everyone's doubling down on. The, the extremes of their own party and the, the John McCain's, let's say, and the, the compromisers are seen as weak and they're not going to get reelected. You see what I mean? And so he's, yeah. he, his crisis of conscience is the fact that he has done, he's been doing what we wish all, almost all, or at least me anyway, I wish more politicians would do, which is to find ways to reach across the aisle and say, okay, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll bend on these things. Um, and, and I, I wish we had more politicians that were, were bendy, you know, in that way. And, but, but, yeah. you know, it, it, that's, that's a great irony that struck out, that stuck out to me with this movie is that, is that, but it's also we, that you can so far the other way. I think that you, you, I mean, he, he ends up getting shot by an insurance by the guy, you know, uh, it is Paul Sorvino, right? Yeah. It's Paul Sorvino. Yeah, I, yeah. For some reason, when I watched it, I was like, wait, who shot him? I missed it. I, 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 no, you say there's a shot of Sorvino up from like the, the vantage point where he would have, where he so got funny. shot from. I and then they re- look back up to that. I kept rewinding um, and I, I, it was only when I looked it up, I, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was my TV, I could not see who it was. I was absolutely confused. You thought but, it might yeah, have been a shot of him up been, on the roof there. You thought it might have been Tootie or Johnny Rose Beef. Right. Or yeah. Frenchie. <laughs> that would make sense. Would have been up but there. yeah, but that idea that, hungry. that, you know, <laughs> You can't. If you do try to cross those lines, this is what happens. You lose, you know, you're going to get yeah. essentially killed by the, you know, the people, the special interests. No, but I'm saying at are, the beginning of the movie, he had already crossed those lines. He had already, oh, yeah, his, yeah, yeah. his crisis sure. of conscience was, I, I, I've relaxed my democratic principles and yes, found ways saying. to appeal to independent and Republican voters. And that's what he, that's, what's driving him nuts is that he felt he had to do that in order to stay in office. And that that was a compromise of principle. Now we're oh, aching for any politic, any, I am at least aching for any politicians to be like, you know, to, to, to reach across the aisle on any issue and say, okay, I can see where you're coming from person across the aisle in either party. And I'm willing to bend. You know, and I don't and I wouldn't see that as a compromise of principles. I'd see that as America needs this desperately because of the polarization. Eight Sheilas. Eight. You talked me up. I'm I'll 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 do uh seven point five. Oh look at you. Look at you. I don't think I would have gone lower than that. I didn't dislike it. It just didn't. I was confused by it and there are things and again, I, I don't it was so long ago that I it's hard to remember. You guys had seen the movie several times before, so I'm nine point five. I oh, love this movie. Love I think I think it's I think it's great. I think it's brilliant. And I thought I was going to watch it and be like, because it's been years since I've seen it, and I thought it's not going to age well. It's not going to age well. And I actually think it aged kind of incredibly well. Yeah. I actually found it more powerful because of the things that I mean. I'm sure the last time I saw this was well before. Trump, maybe even before Obama, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I just to see where we come, it, it really is fascinating to me. And I think it's very well executed, even despite, yeah, it is, 
you know, flawed. Sometimes the taffy has to get pulled a little too <laughs> too right. thin to like get us from point A to point B or to justify some things. I, I, I forgive it that. And you know, what's funny is, and I, I'm not saying his, I'm not going to say his name correctly. The, the poet that you Amiri mentioned, Baraka. Dan, yeah. I, I, Amiri Baraka, like what he, the way he ends the film yes. kind of justifies, kind of gives like a, a fable like quality to everything, you know, kind of justifies the fable like quality, the, the looseness of some things earlier on, because it all seems like this kind of crazy dream of what American politics could be, Agreed. or maybe should be, yeah. or might maybe this might be where we're headed. And I, I just think it, uh, in this day and age, it actually holds up really, really well. I agree with you. If you, I can maybe <laughs> be lured to go up a little higher. If you like threw some, like a couple of fish in a pile and said, come, come, come. If, if, let's go higher. You can have this fish. Oh my God. Maybe I would be lured. Maybe. Cause that's, that's a brilliant, that's a really brilliant way to lure a monster <laughs> or anything to lure someone into higher Sheila is just fish, a pile of fish. A pile yeah, of fish. fish. What the filmmakers don't realize is that most of New York Already it's, smells like a pile of dead fish. <laughs> you don't need to put a pile of fish on 32nd and 6th in order to lure yeah, that, a Godzilla. That, that, that thing is already down at the South Street Seaport. It's, it's already. Yeah, just go there. Godzilla. During a nuclear test, the French government inadvertently mutates a lizard's nest. Years later, one of those French nuke lizards makes its way to New York City. <coughs> Dr. Nico Tatopoulos, played by Matthew Baradaric, an expert on the effects of radiation on animals, because that's a thing, is sent by the U.S. government to study the beast. When the creature, dubbed Godzilla by news outlets, emerges in Manhattan. Oh, a massive, ridiculously destructive battle with the military begins. To make matters worse, Nico discovers that Godzilla has laid a nest of hundreds of raptor eggs, I mean Godzilla eggs, in Madison Square Garden, and they're ready to hatch. Fuck you. Also starring Jean Reno, Maria Patillo, and inexplicably half the cast of The Simpsons. Godzilla was supposed to be Independence Day meets Jurassic Park, but was more like the Valley of Guanji meets Xanax. On a personal note, thanks for giving the Taliban the idea for 9-11, Roland Emmerich. You should be arrested for war crimes. On another note, Godzilla earned $81.3 million over its five-day opening weekend on its way to just $136.3 million domestically and $379 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what do you think of Godzilla? I mean, we've watched, you know, we've watched our share of bad movies on this podcast, but some of them tip over into enjoyable because they're bad, like Sheena, you know, um, for me, Leprechaun, Critters, movies like that, where it's like, okay, <laughs> this is, this is silliness, but it's, it's pure. It's pure in its intention. It, there, there's there's a there's a kitsch about it, or there's a camp about it. Um, this doesn't tip over into that at all. It takes itself very, very, very seriously. Um, when it, it just as easily could when, not have, and sometimes it doesn't. 
Yeah. Right. The humans don't take themselves. The humans no. are cartoons and Godzilla is taken too seriously. There you right. go. Perfectly so. put. Um, you know, the, 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 um, the way in which the sort of plot twists of this thing, uh, unfold, don't aren't compelling enough to keep you going. Okay. Oh, now I'm in. There's never a now I'm in moment. You just kind of go, Oh gosh, this is what we're going to do for the next 30 minutes. Okay. Now we're, and then the car, the car, the car <laughs> could not, no car. I mean, talk about not being able to buy it. The car gets eaten, put it, Godzilla puts it in the car in its mouth. And they go, put it in reverse. And then they get out of its mouth <laughs> and keep driving. He's chomping down on a car. And they're like, well, try, you know, put it in first. Try to get, move, move the wheels back and forth. Like, it's like they're trying to get out of the mouth. And then they do. And the car falls. Do they drive? Do they literally drive down his tail? I don't even remember how they get from the mouth <laughs> back onto the road. But like then they, Fred Flintstone? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's things like that that you go, that's like the, you know, it, the, it, that moment in this movie is like the dog surviving in Independence yeah. Day, you know. it's yes. You kind of go, come the frig on. I can't. I just can't. But, um, you know, did anything work in this thing? I guess the... No. Oh, no. I guess maybe the... the I mean, I, I guess the, the overall conceit of... He's 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 looking for an island to Godzilla is looking for an island. She is looking for an island to take over um, to nest. That kind of makes sense. It wouldn't have to be Manhattan. No, but that Mm -hmm. that kind. I bought that that tracked for for me, I guess. Uh, I don't I don't Matthew Broderick. Oh, my God. I love Matthew Broderick. But. Man, is he phoning it in. I've never seen a person phone in a performance more than this. He's like, Roland, is the check going to clear? Okay, I'll stay on another week. Great. The checks are clearing, right? Great. I'll, I'll, I'll slog through this abject mess of a thing. I don't, I don't know. I I don't know. Why did they cast him? They're thinking like, oh, he's, we can't get Jeff Goldblum. Nope. I don't know. Does he? Did he seem Jeff Goldblumy or something? Yeah, they probably you know what I mean? wanted like, someone like you know, fun and young and quirky, which he is. Yeah. They wanted I more famous John Cryer, which is what he is. More famous John Cryer. That's what he is. That's what his resume says now. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I think he does fine <laughs> no, with right. what he's yeah. got to work with. Uh, it's just no, no, the script bad. is no. bad. In this. I mean, it's bad. You're right. You like you know, you say like how much. Can he bear to commit to it? Yeah. But yeah, there are moments that are like, re- like Dan's right. He barely has a pulse so in this thing. phoned in. Yeah. Um, but I think he just thought, I think he knew what he was in a little bit. And the relationship maybe. between him and, what's her name, Patillo? Portillo? Maria Patillo, who has done like, who is very beautiful and very bad. Like she's yeah, bad she's and she's not, this. and she's not like, not done anything since. And I remember when mm-hmm. it came out, people Really, I mean, I feel bad, like piling on her so much. She's that bad. She's trying. She's giving it the old college try. Yeah, but she's got lines Um, like, it's Nick. He was my college sweetie. He looks so handsome on TV. Fuck off. That's what their relationship is. I mean, we've all said that before. It's not not her 
fall. I mean, this movie is bad. So, but it's kind of like she wasn't established enough before it. This did her no favors. Yeah, that's what I mean. She didn't rise above. I mean, Matthew Broderick might be in the same, but if Matthew Broderick was like a new kid on the scene, this might have tanked him too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, that's, be like, you, you just you just hit it on the head. No one really, even Hank Azaria, who's great in everything, he's probably the best in this, but no one is able to rise above no. the material. It's all, you know, You're for right. the most for the most part, I think talented people within, they oh, just yeah. can't rise above it. I'm telling you, I really think this is the worst movie. I could not wow. get through this. I kept stopping and starting. Like even you talking about the car getting stuck in the mouth. I was like, wait, did that happen? I'm like, oh yeah, because I fell asleep or I turned it off. Like I kept oh, saying, yeah, no, I can't watch this anymore. And then I would come back to it. And, you know, also because we kept extending when we were going to record this, I was like, I got time. I'll get to it. Like I was putting it off. <laughs> Right from the start, when they showed the lizards watching the bombs explode with the music, I'm like, wait, is this a parody? Because this is ridiculous. And God, it was just so, I'm like, wait, he's a scientist working in the Ukraine, but he doesn't know how to speak the language to tell him about the permit? This is stupid. (laughs) And they think that we're stupid. Whoever wrote this is stupid. Then they show, (laughs) you know, they they film the guy, the, the, the older Japanese man, you know, in the hospital right. talking about and saying, oh, it's Godzilla, it's Godzilla. And then on the new, then they watch it and I'm going, wow, someone had has the film of Godzilla that they're just playing right now. They literally just showed the same angle, the same coloring, the same sound <laughs> as what we saw as audience members. Right, right. You know Good what I, point. I'm like, yeah. they, Good point. they think we're fucking idiots. And then yeah. the part that killed me, for, then they discovered it's a new species too quickly. The whole thing about, oh, it's my college sweetie on TV. He looks so handsome. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> then the part that really, when I was like, no, fuck you, they do the jaw shot with I think it was with Hank Azaria where it's you know the zoom in and the pullback at the same time it's the, the oh, shot yeah, that yeah, you yeah, know yeah. it's yeah. the Hitchcock, Hitchcock shot that was made shot. Yes, yeah. that was made famous yeah. in Jaws and I was yeah. like fuck you 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 can't do that you've got to yeah. earn that shot <laughs> you've got to earn that shot Roland Emmerich this idiot thinks he's a great filmmaker the worst performance is Michael Lerner He's the worst oh, in this. I mean, and that, he's a great actor. Oof. He's a great actor, but he is he's, he's actor, given the he's, worst things yeah, to do to play and Ebert, say, right? And, to it's play a, and it's Ebert. a pointless, pointless part. But do you know the whole story behind that? Because originally I'm going, this is emerging no. on anti-Semitic, but apparently it's I read Siskel and Ebert. Siskel and Ebert, because and that's why they give the thumbs down at the end. Yeah. That's why they no, call him. No, he's called Ebert. Mayor Ebert, and he looks like Roger Ebert. And then his sidekick oh, is, is a Mayor bald Ebert? guy named G- Yes. Like it's not even creative. It's Mayor Ebert. And wait, wait, and, then, and the point and is then, that Roland Emmerich doesn't like Siskel and Ebert? Yeah, because they, they didn't like his early like Independence down. Day. You know what they, cre- you know, talk about creating a monster. They created a monster when people gave Independence Day a pass in 1996. And then Roland Emmerich thought, I can make movies. And then they let him do this. And <laughs> this is really no shittier than that is. I mean, it's real. They're both pieces of shit. I and like Independence Day. I like Independence Day. And Independence, Independence Day-, Day worked just well enough to get a pass. <laughs> but I think this is worse. This is definitely worse. But I think that's a bad movie. And he was emboldened by people being like, it's the greatest movie of the year. 
It's shitty. But what was great about Independence Day at the time was, and I talked about this on the episode, I believe, when we did it, was that it was our version. It was our Poseidon adventure. It was our Towering Inferno. It was a great big disaster film. And when Mm -hmm. those disastrous things happened, at least for me, you felt it. You were like, holy fuck. New York is getting blown up with this. There's none of that. No Buildings impact. are falling. No, it's punchlines, right? The MetLife building has a big hole in it. The, they destroy the Chrysler building and they're kind of like, oops. Yeah. The, I mean, the military is like, oh, shit. No, they, they really the do. Building. Let's keep chasing the lizard. It's like, you're destroying. And people are still like living in the city and going shopping and talking and going to cafes and talking like it's like the Chrysler building didn't blow up. Yeah, the mayor says, I think he's got a line where he's like, what, dozens are killed. Well, that's it. He said, like, no one gives a shit. No one cares. <laughs> So why should we exactly. now granted this was right. this not granted, but it was pre nine 11. So I guess maybe they, it could be played on a different tone. Cause I think there's a line where they say it's the worst natural disaster since the world trade center bombing. And you're like, Oh Jesus. Yeah. The worst act of, uh, yeah, you're right. The most destructive. Man, thing since the, it the was, bombing. I was, I was brought back on the subway when you hear, I was like, Oh right. The big famous thing about this was that, Puff Daddy joined up with Jimmy Page to do Cashmere. Fuck off. I hated it then. I hate it right. now. Right. I, it was, uh, and just the whole thing. I don't about know the what f- that sentence means. What does that <laughs> sentence mean? That was the big song on the soundtrack. And yeah. I think it plays over the credits, the end credits. I think so, what, what, maybe. It's not in the movie proper, right? No, it is. This it's is like, the, when they're on the subway. It's for like a split second you hear. Oh, for, yeah, to justify it being like, but, they had to have a big soundtrack for the movie for yeah, time. The whole thing was Cashmere. And Puff Daddy was wearing Cashmere for the first time. Puff, no, Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page. Took, sampled the song Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. I hate everything. Yeah. <laughs> but the fish, that was the other thing. That oh, they, they find, okay. they literally let's talk, find. Let's, let's unpack this. Let's unpack they this find, fish. Matthew Broderick goes, oh, there's <laughs> two fish flopping uh, he around. Likes, he likes fish. He likes fish. Oh, there's two fish. Two fish. Two. One, two fish flopping on the street. Red fish, This monster fish. likes fish. <laughs> let's dump fish. In the middle of the street. Listen, We're on an island it. surrounded by water filled with fish. Give Godzilla. <laughs> Let's give, dump fish in the middle of the street. Give Godzilla a map to the nearest Arthur Treacher's. You've got my money. <laughs> the whole movie, it's sort he of like. you be a Treacher creature then. And we're taking <laughs> it all the way back. All, come all the way back wow. to episode this. Sorry. I mean, you could say everyone's the joke was. You know, Endgame, the whole, the, everything verges on that rat, on a rat. Mm-hmm. You know, it hinges on a rat. So everything with this hinges on what two does? flopping fish. Endgame. Avengers, Avengers Endgame? Endgame? Avengers Endgame, yeah. yeah, yeah hinges a rat on a rat? Walks, it, yeah, a rat walks across in Scott Lang's van, Ant-Man's van. The, the rat walks over a button, presses a button that brings... Ant-Man back from the quantum realm. And that's how the whole plot of yeah. Endgame starts. Oh, wow. It's that random. And that's that the random. criticism is that people say it hinges on a rat. I mean, it's not a criticism. I don't even know if it's a criticism. It's just, it's just like, my just God, how crazy life is. <laughs> you know, I you see. Know, like the most random little act is what. This, and this, and you're saying this hinges on, yeah, two fit. Yeah. Well, it was just, but it's not even, like that's happenstance. You can say that's a crazy coincidence. This is just, this is a scientist going, <laughs> I see two dead fish. That's it. <laughs> That's he likes solution. fish. 
That's the solution. He's into fish. <sighs> Let's get a whole off. bunch of fish and put it in an area. Yeah. Uh, well, but, but but think about what got us to that point. We've lost track of him. Really? Yeah. You lost track of him? There's a He's line. Godzilla. He says, but there's <laughs> but like no island in the world, this is an island where he can easily hide. How does a giant lizard hide in New York City? Fuck you. That's what I'm saying. They would have Sorry, I'm that, that's exactly what I'm saying. This is exactly what I'm saying. The, the, like, uh, yeah, like like Manhattan's abandoned, and it's like he's hiding in between two. You know, he's <laughs> hiding yeah. behind a, 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 like behind a FedEx Kinkos or something. <laughs> like. It's what you always say, Dan. It's they're assuming that we're idiots. I was right. insulted by this movie because they're like, "You're fucking idiots." Like you said, yeah. what you're saying, Jason. Oh, you liked Independence Day? <laughs> you fucking idiots! <laughs> yeah. it's right, like, fine. Boy, you're so stupid. Let, yeah. me, let me pile let me on the stupid. Throw this shit out. Right. And now I will say, I heard something that I think it was Roland Emmerich that that the director did not want Godzilla to be the follow-up to Independence Day, but Dean Devlin, his writing partner and the producer did and kind of pushed for it. And so you could say, I mean, to be incredibly generous, (laughs) we could say that the director's heart was not in it or something, Mm -hmm. but I I don't know. It's also the design the guy, and apparently yeah. what I was reading was this was a big point of contention that went on for years about how it was going to be designed. I mean, we already had Jurassic Park. We don't need another dinosaur. Like, just go with the go with the original Godzilla design or something similar in that world. Yeah, something. It just seemed, I even remember when this came out. I didn't see it when it came out, but I remember even from the clips thinking, but I don't get it. We already, we had Jurassic Park. Why do we... What, right, that already I, I came out, it. right? Yeah, right. I don't get like, yeah. th- I bet it just looked like that, it that this looks got like... rushed into being made. Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely. sure, absolutely, yeah, 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 absolutely. It wanted to be another Jurassic Park, and it, and it, and when the Lost World came out the year before this, Ooh, that movie's bad. The the trailer for Godzilla went with that, mm, and it was like uh, it was go. like size matter, like the, 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 you know the scene uh, they're in the Natural History Museum, matters. and there's the dinosaur bones, yeah, and then Godzilla's footsteps aren't supposed to be like this is going to be so much bigger and more impressive than, than anything you saw in Jurassic Park because Godzilla is so much bigger than any dinosaur, and and the Lost World I think does something kind of brilliant actually at uh, the end of it when the t-rex is running around i guess it's san diego right and and uh mm-hmm. and it's kind of and they they make godzilla jokes during it and i kind of thought that was funny because there was so much hype about godzilla coming out for like two years before i feel like spielberg was throwing in his little like well here's Fuck my you. little godzilla joke here's the dinosaur loose in a city and blah 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 but uh i i actually like lost world just fine i don't think that i mean the lost world looks like citizen kane next to godzilla i'm sorry (laughs) this is a fucking hunk of shit but uh oh man but you saying that that was the marketing now i've lowered my sheila rating even more that makes me everything with size matters this even yeah, they would more. say like the the Godzilla is. To- it would be, there would be posters on the subway on the sides of Godzilla is ten of these size scrapers. Yeah, totally uh, remember Godzilla those. is this subway car t- is times eleven. That's I mean, fine. that was but like to the say, po- but to go up against Jurassic, but to say you're going to see a better movie than Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, wow, that the audacity that makes me lower. Yes, lower my shit. I also didn't like to see where Godzilla checked his service. I didn't buy it. <laughs> 
How could he? How, how can you know? manipulate a quarter? First of all, <laughs> manipulate how can you hold one in his hand? Um, oh I'm going to go with a generous, generous two on this. I give this a zero. I give this Ooh, zero, Sheila. You do feel it's worse than disorderlies. Oh fuck! <laughs> all right, let's go. all right. No, this is a good. This is a good. Perfect time to recap the worsts. Eclipsing all bad movies, not just the ones we've seen on this podcast, but all of them, at the very bottom of the sewage of movie of the movie uh, 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 sewer is she's the one. That's the worst oh, thing no. in the history of film. I, I would almost watch Disorderlies over this. I would. Slightly this one is a terrible movie. It's short. It's short. <laughs> I mean, this thing is that. long as fuck. It, like, yeah, it's like, it keeps going and going. I remember seeing it in the theater, and the cardinal sin of this movie is it's boring. It's boring. Yes. It's a Godzilla movie, and everything is boring. The destruction isn't fun. The creature doesn't look fun. No. The humans no. aren't interesting. No. And it takes for fucking ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Zero. No, I'm two. I'm a t- I'm I'm two. I shouldn't even be two. You're right. It should I'm be two. less. It should be more like a one. But, but, but I have nothing to but trouble still takes the, well, the that, for me, nothing but nothing's more disgusting or disappointing <laughs> than nothing but trouble. And I would watch this before I'd watch I that. I thought Ackroyd's dick nose looked better than Godzilla, so that's why I would put if that on. That was this. on a rampage through New York. I'm fine. <laughs> Where his two little the two little blobs that lived in the junkyard were rampaging the through New York. And Lumpy. Whatever they and Lumpy oh Joe, God. if they were going through, then that's fine. No, it did, but, but this is still better than Nothing But Trouble. It's way better than She's the One. It's better than, I mean, a bowel movement's better than She's the One. Um, <laughs> the, uh, it's, this is better than Devil and Max Devlin. This is better uh, than. Yeah, uh, I guess so. This is And it's better than. Uh, what? Oh, I gave a zero to Avatar. This is better than Avatar. I literally, every movie you said, I immediately thought of something that I liked better about that than this. Every single movie you said. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're right, Fred. I, and no, I think, and Nothing But Trouble is the only one that I'm like, definitely, yeah, this can't be the worst because Nothing But Trouble exists. So that's... <laughs> Gun to your and head, I know though. there are others that I hate, too, from that we've watched, but... Gun uh, to your head. Do you sit and watch, do you rewatch this movie or Baby's Day Out? Those are the two DVDs in front of you. Oh Which, shit! Almost uh, just despite you, Dan, I might say Godzilla. <gasps> really? I think I'd actually watch really? Baby's no, Day I'd watch out. No, I'd watch Baby's Day out. Absolutely. I'd watch Baby's Day out again. No, you're I'd talking. watch ba- Baby's Day out. I might watch again in my lifetime, just out of the fondness for that episode and for our reaction to your reaction and how much how much grist for the mill for the podcast mill we've gotten from it. Like, I, I, it's. It's yeah, it's legendary in that sense. It is uh and basi- it's so bad and, and basically so nothing, the same plot. They had this movie and that movie and Godzilla basically basically when you get right down to it have the yeah, same plot. We got to find a something in a city. I want to recast <laughs> got to find a something in the city. I want to recast Joe Montana's role with Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin and just watch on a loop the baby punching them in the balls just kind of just over and over again. <laughs> That what I else did they make? Did we see any of their other? I think this was when I checked out on them entirely. I don't think I've seen another 
the day after tomorrow. Oh, I watched the day after tomorrow. I, I saw that like in the theaters. Yeah. People say that's all right. I, I I was like, I'll never give them money. That was okay, just in the, in the same sense that Independence Day was, and a, a little bit more is that there was a real fear. You felt like there was a palpable, there was like something was coming, something was coming. And I think also the fact that it had to deal with like a real world problem. Um, so Did they do the, uh, the Patriot too? I think they had Patriot. to do the Patriot. 10,000 BC. I never saw that. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, I've never seen any of these. I uh, really have assiduously avoided anything with Roland Emmerich's But I mean, Stargate is supposed to be very good. And of course, that's a huge franchise. I've never seen that movie. That was, yeah. the, I think, their first movie. Huh. And uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. And, and again, the stink of their names <laughs> keeps me from it. But yeah, I'll stick with two. Sh- so what is it? You're two, Dan. I'm two. I'm and for two. zero. I could be persuaded to a 1.5 i think let's let's do it let's drop it there's nothing i mean drop two. Down. let's drop down yeah 1.5 1. 1.5 1. 5. this is the this is the o'flaherty's bathroom of movies <laughs> this is the post coitus o'flaherty's bathroom oh my god is there anything left to say about Gohira? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Did you guys see any of the the later, like the 2014 one, which is also very boring, but looks the character no. looks great, the monster looks great. Ironically, or oddly enough, uh, about a week ago, I was flipping through and it was on, and I'm like, oh, let me watch this. The one with Brian Cranston, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started no. to watch that, and um, I didn't get very far because I did. I got bored after a while. It's also boring. Yeah. I mean, it's much, it's a much better movie, but it's like, again, takes itself so seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I don't, all I want to do is watch it smash stuff. I just want to see, like somebody sure. needs to make a, I guess that Godzilla versus Kong that they I made. I heard that was a lot of fun. That that's kind of probably mm. what we're looking for from one of these. Cause I, I hate the Transformers movies, but what I like about Transformers is that it just starts and it's like, it's just shit knocking into each other for two hours. So if you just want to see that kind of spectacle, you guys got Godzilla people growing off. up. Oh yeah. yeah, I loved them. Yeah. On, was were they on? Uh, so was it like PIX on or were they on yeah. WOR? Were they were on one of those? Probably WOR. They always freaked God. me out. I was always scared. Yeah, they're always weird. They're yeah. a little bit yeah. weird. They should be scary. <laughs> but I but also, them. you know, he's fighting Mothra. He's fighting, yeah. you know, another another something, and that's always, always, always fun. I remember uh, going to see the original, the black and white, the original movie. I saw it um, at the film forum. I think. They did a re-release of it years ago, and I went and I oh, saw wow. it on the big screen, and it was actually pretty oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. You know what? I kept trying to schedule for this for this podcast. I kept trying to schedule, but they, you can't find it anywhere. There was in 19, 1985, There was. Do you remember? There was a movie called Godzilla nineteen eighty five, and it came out in theaters. And Raymond Burr was in. I guess Raymond Burr had been in the old ones, and they brought him in. And what I've read about it since is that it was actually a. It was a, you know, a, a low budget Japanese movie that made or maybe a little earlier in the 80s and they were repurposing it for American audiences and they refilmed like they kind of hired Raymond Burr to come in and do like some scenes with a couple of Japanese actors just to have like an English speaking presence in mm-hmm. it. And then they were dubbing. So I never saw it, but I remember it being in movie theaters that summer of 85. And I was like, oh, that'll be fun. We'll schedule it for this. And I don't think you can find it anywhere. It's like one of those I can't find on YouTube or anyplace else. I remember when Jimmy Stewart sees Raymond Bird murder Godzilla through the rear window. And that scene didn't track. And then he puts Godzilla on trial and defends him, oddly.
That's an Ironsides reference, ladies and gentlemen. Ironsides. Ironsides. Not Ironsides. Who's Michael Ironsides? Harry Mason. Harry Mason. <laughs> Who's Ironsides? Michael Ironsides. Ironside a character? Wasn't that a? This is fascinating. <laughs> this is, I think John Saxon like, played. John Saxon played the, Michael Ironside in the Jack Nicholson story. I think. Right. They always say John Saxon's a poor man's Michael Ironside is a poor man's Jack Nicholson. Poor man's Jack Nicholson for sure. I like when we reminisce about stuff that predates us. That's fun. <laughs> remember? Do you guys remember the Sid Caesar hour? Oh my God. <laughs> Wonderful. What a stupid son of a bitch. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us here in the O'Flaherty's bathroom for another episode of Opening Weekend. We've had some laughs. We'll be back next time, soon-ish, I guess. I don't know. You've waited this long for this one. But uh, but I'm telling you, before you know it, I don't know what age you'll be. <laughs> Episode 97 will rear its head, and we will be traveling back to one of our favorite childhood summers, 1982, and the weekend of June 11th, which saw the release of one of the most beloved motion pictures of all time, Grease 2. <laughs> well, that is, I mean, some people really like Grease 2, but Grease 2 opened alongside E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yeah. Steven Spielberg's E.T. the Extraterrestrial. So, E.T. and Grease 2, June 11th, 1982, next time on episode 97 of Opening Weekend. Danny, what you got? How do I end these podcasts? Oh, with hand farting. It's been so That's long. Right. It's been so long. Give me something. Give me anything. I got nothing for this week. How about I the Godzilla truly, theme song? Up from the depths. Yeah, I got stars. That's what this episode opened with because I'm going to use a clip of that. Okay. Let me try. Let me try. See if I can remember. This is the Godzuki of podcasts. It, 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 it's, it's not the most impressive thing ever, but it's but it makes you feel warm and happy <laughs> as you float gently down to earth with your reptilian wings. God bless you, everyone. <laughs> the opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. So, okay, so E.T. I'll, I'll, and uh, uh, E.T. and Grease are 97. I, again. What? E.T. 97? No, no, episode 97. Oh, oh sorry, <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Episode 97. <laughs> episode 97, E.T. and Grease 2. I mean, E.T. is amazing, and so E.T. is blind, right? Is he blind, like the leprechaun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's e. why he's pointing all the time. He's trying to touch anything. He's trying to figure out he's going to make his way in the world. He can't see nothing. It lights up. It's like, that's not going to help you if you're truly blind. And he's like, yeah, but sometimes I get a feel. It's like, <laughs> it helps me. Listen. I see shadows. <laughs> I see um, dead people. Ha, 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 ha.